0: Oh, who are you doing tonight?
1: Uh, I'm interviewing Roadside Marty.
0: Roadside Marty? Who the fuck is Roadside Marty?
1: Hey right, brother how are you doing roadside <laughs> I'm doing awesome man cool I want um thanks for thanks for having uh thanks for putting some time into your day so we could talk um I don't know have you had a chance to listen to the other any of the other episodes
0: uh no I haven't huh. uh, man I'm so far out of the loop uh, with social media and all that people always get on me about how I don't update my Facebook or I don't do things and <laughs> man I'm the world's worst.
1: Well, you're a one-man, you're like a one-man show, aren't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have a network of people that help me out with stuff. Uh, My father, uh, some of his friends, friends of mine I've met over the years. I've known most of my life and all they help me. Um, If it wasn't for their help, I couldn't do half the stuff I
1: do. Right on. That's cool. I mean, you know, you can only do so much and, and, you know, everything doesn't show up on everybody's radar so it's kind of cool that you you know it's actually kind of cool that you haven't um you don't have any preconceived notion of what this is what this is all about i mean uh, i'll just tell you why i started the podcast i started the podcast just because um i wasn't writing for the magazines anymore i got picked up i got picked up last year um, by eric ellis right before he left hot bike and sent some stuff in and it didn't get published so i thought you know what i'm just kinda of tired of the bullshit and I don't I don't mean that magazines are bullshit. Um I'm just kinda of saying that I was the publishing
0: getting, world is bullshit.
1: Yeah, I wasn't getting published and that I love writing and that's something that I enjoy doing and I you know I like keeping myself fresh and, and out there. And uh I actually had a I have a background in radio so I, I had done this a long time ago on the radio and I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna do my own thing. Fuck it. I'm gonna do exactly what I want and I'm gonna talk to my friends and I'm gonna start there and see where it goes. So I just want to prop up the garage builder. I want guys like yourself that you know everybody know kind of knows who you are uh, to some degree, or they've they've seen you, even if they don't know that they that they've seen you. So I just think it's kind of cool. We're going to see where it goes and start at grassroots.
0: Sounds good, man. I, I'm I'm honored that you picked me to be on here, man.
1: Well, cool, man. Well, you know, you and I go way back, actually, as far as you know, not like decades, but almost a decade. You and I, I believe we met. Um, I want to say back in. I can tell you exactly. I just remembered. In 2006, um, my my buddy Evan entered a Sportster in the Willy's show, and uh, he got top he got top honors. And that's when I remember met. that yeah. you guys
0: had the shop together at the time.
1: Yeah, JR Cycle Works. Uh, yep.
0: Yep, J.R. Cycle Works. Yep, and your dad was with you too. Yeah. It was y- you, your dad, and Evan. Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yep, and uh, so. Uh, that was that was the first time that i had any exposure to roadside marty and i uh, you know and it's been it's been nothing but laughs since then i can remember that same show there was a guy that had won something and he walked up on uh up on the the, the area there to get his award and all he was wearing was a pair of overalls and i
0: <laughs> oh god that guy yeah he uh he won the uh trailer trash award what? i'll never forget that guy he uh he, I think he had on flip flops, and his feet were as black as tires, man. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he had just the overalls on, and he was letting chicks reach down and grab his junk through his overalls. And he had like a WD forty can or something for his for his air cleaner. And I just, I was like, his bike was what caught my eye. And then when I saw the the owner, I was like, "Holy shit, man! That's that's the that's the winner for Trailer Trash." And I I don't know if you remember, but when I gave him that award, man, it was like the highlight of his life. He was just so happy.
2: He was won an pumped.
0: award there at Willie's. He was just stoked. And then the trophy girls were kind of scared to get close to him. Yeah, because he was so rank. And I did, remember you I commented,
1: was, "I didn't want to say anything, but you did comment." I told I
0: said, would you just leave your meth lab in the trailer that's park, you man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to wash your ass if you're going to come to something this classy." And uh, he uh, he just laughed and said it was an honor for me to insult him or some shit. He was just a he was a true he was a good sport, man. I love it when guys uh, don't take themselves too seriously. Well, I like think
1: that. yeah, I think we all need to take we all need to take ourselves a bit less serious at times, right? And that's definitely one of them, I guess. Let's uh let's start there. I'm going to get some <clears throat> I want to come back to that because that's a, a a pretty important part of um how a lot of people come to know Roadside Marty. Um let's get some background in in info on you and I guess let's start with the question, who the fuck is Roadside Marty?
0: <laughs> Roadside Marty is some lucky fucking guy. Uh he's a fat guy with a little dick that got lucky and met a, a lot of good people who let him do really cool crazy shit. And sometimes he gets paid, and sometimes he doesn't. But he always has a great time.
1: I think that uh, that definitely sums up. I, at least it's, I, it sums up what I know of you. And I, I you know, i I have the um, I have the distinct honor, and I do consider it an honor to uh, to kind of be in that. When we're at those rallies, that's where you and I get a chance to see each other and and hang out and stuff. And uh, I I do love being on the receiving end of those stories. You you've got some really <laughs> killer stories. I can remember one in particular well, thanks, from 2008. I want to say it was 2008 at the Limp Nikki lot. Something involving um, someone's bus or camper. Uh, or what...
0: <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was uh,
1: Chris Callan's RV. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any official like? Are you know? I mean, you. – you pretty much show up everywhere. I mean, I, I've seen you at Sturgis. I've seen you, obviously, in Daytona. Um, I assume – I can only assume you do the, the Thunder by the Bay up in uh, Panama. That's close enough to you. Yep, yep. Thunder Beach, um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, and then, of course, the Smokeout. I've seen you at the Smokeout. So
0: – yeah. I mean, uh smoke out is probably by far one of my favorites, but yeah.
1: There's a lot of people that say that and I mean you, I, you know, you when you get to the smoke out, your first smoke out is always um a little overwhelming. I went to my first smoke out in oh five and it was in um it was still in uh Salisbury. Salisbury. Yep. And we left we left Thursday morning, we rode down, Evan and I, and we had a truck chasing us and uh we had about six or seven guys and we got there on friday afternoon and we pull into the hilton <clears throat> now we weren't or the, no holiday Inn rather we weren't staying at the holiday inn but we were, you know we we didn't have anywhere to stay we were going to just rent a camp site over at the uh, the campground there next to next to it and um we get out of off our bikes and here comes some guy with a girl on the back of his bike he's doing there's nobody out front i mean there's a bunch of park uh bikes parked, but everybody's at the the fairgrounds here comes this idiot on a bike going 110 miles an hour if he's going 50 with a broad on the back but drinking she had a beer he made about four passes in front of the uh the ford dealership there in salisbury across the street from the holiday inn and come rolling into the uh to the holiday inn and i thought oh great cops are gonna be here any minute (laughs) and then we went yeah and then we went to the event and then we came back to the holiday inn and i i it was it was a the best freak show i think i've ever seen in my whole life
0: I remember one year, uh, we were staying, uh, for some reason I didn't get my room at the Holiday Inn or something, but I was staying at the Best Western at the top of the hill there, and we were out front, and some people had walked from that campground you were talking about down to the Best Western, and they said, it was two guys and a girl, and they said, hey, where's... Where's that Holiday Inn at that everybody says is real happening? And uh, we said, oh, it's right down the hill. And they said, well, is it? Can we walk there? And the uh, there was a cop maybe fifteen feet away in his cruiser with his window down doing paperwork.
2: Right.
0: And he looks up and he says, hey. If she'll show me her tits, I'll give you guys a ride down there.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the guy looks at her and he goes, what the fuck are you waiting for? Show them your tits. So she shows her tits, and he says, y'all just keep your beers down low because they have like a case of beer they were carrying. And he put them in the back of the squad car and drove them down to the Holiday Inn and said, "When y'all are ready to come back, just uh, come stand out there by the road and I'll come pick you back up. That's great. They like their own personal taxi, man. Salisbury was kick-ass. That, yeah. that town, we had a lot of fun there.
1: Yeah, and I had gone to a couple of them there, and, you know, <clears throat> I don't know the circumstances surrounding why it's not there anymore, and it, it's it's cool. I mean, you know, things evolve, you know what I mean, and, and they have to change in order to grow and, and things like that. But, my God, the tolerance of the people at the Holiday Inn and the tolerance of the police officers, I mean, I – it was I, unreal. I saw it, one particular person get pulled over in front of the in front of the holiday inn. There was up everybody was there. It was like Saturday night. It was like, you know, the crazy night. It was in fact Saturday night. And um got pulled over and they were doing a road sobriety test and they're like, No, touch your nose. And this person was not being very compliant, and they grabbed his hand and they're like, No, touch you're no, you know, and he ended up going <laughs> yeah. to jail just for being absolutely belligerent. But I mean, they were almost walking him, th- like coaching him through how to pass oh, yeah. this roadside sobriety test. So that was a, that was an interesting, interesting group of events that were, that were there. I mean, I think, I think it was in Salisbury, what, about five, six years? Cause it, prior to that, it had been, um, two other places, hadn't it?
0: Well, I th- uh, the very first one was, uh, in like, uh, Pigeon Forge, Kentucky and, then they had it once in Cherokee, and then they moved it to Salisbury. Yeah. And uh, after I, I believe it was um, a uh, county commission or a city council that voted to uh, shut it down and not have it again, and uh, which was horrible for the town because everybody loved having us there. Uh, they really did. From the The locals all the way down to the businesses. Everybody loved it. Uh, so they had it for one year in a place called Moxville at the drag strip. Uh, I think that was uh, Farmington.
1: Yeah, I remember
0: that. And that was a, a disaster. Uh, and then that's from there, uh, he found the Rockingham location, Edge, the promoter did. Yeah. And um, moved it there, and that is just such a great fit. I mean, the track really welcomes us. Um, They don't say anything about the wet t-shirt show. Uh, The only thing they ask me is uh, whenever I'm up there on stage, just no simulated sex hacks. I mean, (laughs) dude, so they can get completely (laughs) naked, and I can say fuck and shit however many times I want on the microphone. Just as long as the chicks don't fucking start having a Les fest, So, I mean, dude, you got to like a place like that.
1: Exactly. Um, So how did you get hooked up? I mean, how did you end up being the unofficial official MC of every fucking motorcycle event that involves girls and motorcycles and girls taking off their clothes and just absolute people having an actual real fun time?
0: Oh, well, um, the whole m c thing started out um, actually, me and Willie, uh who owns tropical tattoo, um, he me and him have been friends for many, many years, uh probably for the last thirteen years. we've been really good friends and um he uh when the chopper show Chopper time started there, I guess it was maybe the third time, the third year it was going, um, he said, uh, he walks up to me and he handed me a list of, uh, classes and he said, you know, pick these bikes that you think would, would, should win. And I said, all right. So I walked around and I picked out the bikes and I came back and uh, I handed him the list and he started laughing and he held up his list and we'd pick the exact same bikes so he looks at me and he says, congratulations, you're the judge for life now. So I was like, all right. Well, then about five minutes later, he says, you got to
1: give out the awards.
0: And I was like, man, I'm not very good <laughs> on the microphone and all. And it
1: goes, Little did you know.
0: Yeah. He goes, no, man, you know, you're funny as hell and all this other stuff. Get up there. I said, all right. And I went up and I – got the microphone, and I turned it on, and I said, all right, everybody, you know, we're going to give the awards out, and I was real polite and everything on the microphone, and nobody even paid any attention to me, and I tapped the microphone, you know, to make sure it was on, and I said, hey, everybody, you know, when I call your name, uh, bring your bike up, and, you know, so we can take a photo with you, and you get your trophy, and everybody still was ignoring me, well, Willie walks up and punches me in the shoulder, and says, I told you to get their fucking attention, damn it. Do it. And I said, okay. So I just took the microphone and I said, hey, you stupid motherfuckers, whenever I call your name, bring your piece of shit up here and get your fucking trophy. I'm tired of fucking standing here looking like a moron you're not paying attention. First fucking winner is so-and-so. I said, raise your fucking hand. And some guy raises his hand. I said, what the fuck are you doing standing there, idiot? Go get your fucking bike and get it up here. Well, dude, that just snowballed. And it was it was kind of ironic because people would bring their bike up and the whole time I would be insulting them, telling them what a piece of shit it was. You know, we didn't give a shit about hearing how they always wanted to shop or whatever. And, <laughs> yeah, we don't know. care about
1: your backstory. Get your plaque, yeah, oh, get a picture you know, with the I, hookers and I, get
0: the book on Just telling out. them. You know, hey man, that sounds like a fucking Hallmark greeting card. Get the fuck out of here. And they loved it. So, from that, it just grew. Uh, you know, people were like, man, that dude at the Chaucer show, he's crazy. And, uh, then the, uh, that year at Farmington, Edge, uh, I was, uh, helping him sell the event t-shirts. And he came up there to the booth and he said that, uh, He was—he didn't know what he was going to do because the wet t-shirt contest, there was only two girls signed up, and he had about 800 guys down at the stage ready to riot, and he didn't know what he was going to do. And I just pulled him to the side, and I said, man, do you want me to take care of this? And he said, what do you mean? I said, do you want me to take care of it or not? And he said, sure, do what you got to do. So I went down. Got on stage, got the microphone, and just started picking chicks out of the crowd, you know, telling them I know they had student loans to repay or, you know, <laughs> they weren't getting their child support or, That's you know, funny. their husband, their boyfriend probably didn't have much sheetrock work that week or something. Come on, you know, you got a car payment due, whatever, get your ass up here. And uh I had like, fuck, man, I think like 25 girls within like 15 minutes. And uh, we had just a fucking great wet t-shirt show. And uh, after that, Edge told me he said, "Man, this is your gig from now on." And I said, "Okay." So that uh, that's how that started, man.
1: That's hilarious. How did um, how long did it take uh, for Willie's uh, show to be one of? I mean, it to me, it's the It's the only bike show I give a shit about in Daytona. Um, But it it means something, you know, it means something to place in that show. I I really think it does. I think the people that go there go there for all the right reasons. I think the people that go there um, know what the hell they're looking at. They, they're, you know, they're, they're there for, to, to see some cool shit. How long did it take for that show to be considered one of the biggest and best?
0: Oh, well. I, I tell you, Jason, I appreciate those words, man, because we worked real hard to make it to get it to where it is. And it's not just me and Willie; it's Marcus, it's the guys at the shop, it's the guys that come up and volunteer and help with security, uh, the Arnie Foundation, all the all the people that have been there since day one. It, it's they've all they've all worked so hard, and plus, it's just it's a no nonsense show. You know, uh if you don't ride your bike up to it, you're not getting it in
2: um, you know we don't
0: have we don't have any preconceived notion of what's gonna win. I mean, I'll tell you my secret to judging that bike show um, i I judge the show in ten minutes right. I know that sounds crazy, but i just I'm usually so busy that whenever we need whenever we're ready to give the trophies out, I'll take 10 minutes and I'll go through the crowd and I'll just say, Hey, that's best panhead. That's best shovel. That's best forster. I mean, it's just, that's how it works. And I know it sounds crazy, but it works. And it's helped that show grow because, and I've really tried to focus uh, whenever I would pick someone who's a winner. I would try. I mean, I know there's guys, there's name builders out there that are really, really, really talented. But if you look, there's some guys that are doing some just incredible stuff out of their house, man. Oh, I know. They're working a regular job with families and everything, and then they build a bike that is just unreal. And a lot of them have built the bike just strictly to put it in Willie's show. And that's a huge honor for us, man.
1: Yeah, that did, you know, um, when you have guys like uh, uh, Bill Dodge, uh, Eric from FNA Cycles. Both of these guys have, have won that show, and, and you, you know what? If you want to get a good idea of uh, of what that show is all about, for me anyway, um, first of all, I, I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, I, I, and I think you know that I'm, 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 you know, being honest about this because I had one of my bikes in the show one, only once, but, um, and I, I got second place to, to Evan. We both had Sportsters that year, but, um, that's to me. I don't give a shit about what happens to the rats hole. I'm really, you know, and I feel bad saying that, but um, this is the garage built podcast. And, and guys, that if you look at take a good segment of that crowd, look at the pictures from uh, let's say Chris's magazine or uh, you know Cycle Source, or look at the Horseback Street Choppers when they cover that event. Look at the crowd. Don't look at the bikes. Just for a minute look at the crowd and look at there's people from all over the world that come to that. I've seen Yaz there. I've seen um Alan Lee um there. I've seen Calypso there. I've seen these are all people Clint that
0: from Backstreet Heroes. Yeah, these, yeah we, these are
1: all people that are not I mean, they they make a concerted effort to go to that show. That that is the show. If you're into choppers, that's the show.
0: And those guys, they uh They come, and man, we can't thank them enough because they they give us just as much coverage in their magazine as the stateside magazines do, and it's, they're, I mean, some of the guys, the language barrier is so intense that, you know, we just, you know, I really can't communicate with them, but it's, you know, motorcycles are almost like a universal language. If it looks cool, it looks cool almost in any culture, and we really enjoy having them there, and, you know, there's been a couple times we've taken the guys from Vibes, uh, Shinya and Yaz, when he was with them, uh, out to Willie's house and let them shoot uh, a couple of ARs and everything. Right. And, man.
2: Welcome to Florida, about, motherfucker, right? Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, God, they fucking loved it, man. Because, you know, most of the time over there in and in, japan they couldn't do something
1: like that no, you, you know that's a funny thing you say that one of my best friends lives in england and i brought him over here and i took him up in michigan and i took him up deer hunting i put him down on the ground and in a deer blind 100 yards away from a bait pile and you know i mean they they we we take things i don't think we take things for granted i don't want to say that because it sounds all, all hogwashy but um we can do some pretty cool shit over here
0: yeah we can yeah we can it is truly the greatest country in the world, I think, man. Not to take anything away, because I've been all over the world, Europe, Asia. I mean, I love it. I, I love traveling, but, man, for me, I, I couldn't live anywhere else. I do love the States, man. I was in the Army uh, for four years. Uh, I love my country, man. I'm I'm proud to be from here.
1: Um, You know, something that maybe a lot of people don't know about Roadside, Marty, is that um... – you're a hell of a builder, dude. Um, you've built a couple of bikes that, for me, are—I mean, they're—they're they're right up there with any with any you know um, pro level builder that—that's all they do. That—that that, you know that's what they're known for. Your Purple Haze bike, that bike, the ah. Panhead—that's an amazing bike, dude. I crawled all over that thing looking. I was—I and I am. Please don't take this as an offense, but I was—I was fucking shocked. When you told me you built that, because I didn't, I didn't know that you did that. You know, I knew, and we had known each other for three or four years when, when you built that bike and I was, that bike is flawless.
0: Well, thanks, man. That, I really, I, no offense at all, man. I take that as a huge compliment, especially for someone like you. I mean, your, your CFL bike that you did still blows me away, man. Oh, thanks, man. The, uh, that bike, um. Came about, um, kind of by chance, um, I've I've owned that motor for probably, I think it's 26 years now.
1: Jesus.
0: Uh, that was my first big twin. And me and my father built that up from pieces. It was, a, it was a true swap meet special. And over the years, it had been all kinds of styles, man, from a, a, a chopper with an extended Harley Springer and apes to a full dresser with disc brakes and electric start and bags and a windshield. And um, Bob, Bobby from French Kiss Customs, yeah. uh, he taught me and him hit it off. We've been friends for a few years. Uh, and he kept bugging me. He said, hey, man, when are you going to let me do a paint job for you?
1: He's talented, very talented. Oh, very just extremely talented. They're very one those, underrated. Well, you know what? I I, I was thinking about guys like uh, guys like Bobby and, and Brian from French Kiss, and um, guys like you know Dwayne Ballard, and um, they're I don't think they're underrated. I think they fly so far under the radar. I mean, dude, French Kiss Customs makes some beautiful, beautiful artwork, and they're good fabricators too. I mean, they build bikes oh, too. Yeah.
0: And you know they do. They don't have like a professional type paint booth, man. They do that stuff in a two car garage with a box fan and a, a little tent set up out of P V C pipe and plastic. I mean, those dudes were just they they just kill it. Yeah. And um so I told him, I said, Yeah man, I'll 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 let you you know, I'm gonna redo my pan head here soon and I'll let you uh I'll let you paint that. He said, Okay. Well, I mocked the bike up, I got the tank and the fender like I wanted it and I was like and uh I took it to him and uh, he uh, he asked me, you know, I told him I wanted it purple with uh, lace panels and, you know, and he started asking me all these technical questions if I wanted it interlaced or if I wanted it woven or something, and I just slipped out it and fucking I said,
1: painted, man.
0: hey man, <laughs> just do what the fuck you do, yeah. I don't give a shit. That's the that only way that. you're
1: ever going to get anything worth a shit in my opinion.
0: Exactly. You just let a true artist do what they do. Yep. And um, when I got that paint job back, man, that's what set the platform for that bike. Because I, at, in all honesty, man, I was just going to bead blast the cases and, you know, a little bit of new chrome here and there. But when I got that paint job, you can't, I said, yeah. Can't I, so. yeah, I just had to step it up, man. I said, holy shit, I can't just do a half ass bike. So I took, and I had the cases, the heads, polish, uh, anything that could be chromed, was chromed. Hell, the guy even chromed my damn clutch basket, dude. Yeah, I remember I mean, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the uh, I really thought that bike out, and once I, once I committed to doing that, uh, I really went – all out, I mean, chrome hardware, the polishing, the chrome, all that. And, man, I tell you, it was it was worth every penny because that bike, I can still, after it's been together for probably...
1: Four years, three, isn't
0: it? Yeah, about four years now. And, man, I can still just look at that bike for hours and just, you know, get lost in it. That's awesome. It is truly... One of my favorites.
1: Well, and you know, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but my dad was a builder back in the 70s and, and you know, back then. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I talked with your dad at Daytona that one year, man.
1: They don't, Great guy. They didn't have all the resources that we have, you know what I mean? And uh, No, they didn't. And, and when, when I look back, there's not enough pictures of my dad's bike that he built uh, when I was a little kid in our basement, but... Um, the detail work and the polishing of the bolts. And like you were saying, you know, how you said that you got the paint back and you it, that made you up your game. It, that's an exciting part of any project. And I don't care what project it is that you're doing, but when one thing happens and you have that moment where you're like, holy shit, if I do, this looks good enough that if I do this and this, this is going to be off the rails. And uh, that's what's cool about this industry. You know, I appreciate a guy that can, that you can lock him in a room and give him some raw materials and some tools, and he can ride a bike out the other side. I, you know, I give up because there's only a couple guys, in my opinion, that I know of that I've seen him do it, and I know they can do it um, at a very high level. Um, but you know, when you got a garage builder that's putting something together, and and that's really who this podcast is for—a garage builder like that. When you have that one thing that happens, and you're like, I got to up my game. That's where that's the game changer right there. That's what makes the product at the end. Far be it from you to even try to figure it out, you know, Absolutely. as you're going into it, right? You know, what I mean, it's that one thing that inspires you. To finish, I totally finish agree strong.
0: with that, man. And it's like I tell guys all the time, you know, try to make that shit look clean, man. I mean, don't let don't let wires hang down. I mean, use shrink wrap. I mean, just little things. The, the devil is in the details, man. And I, I tell guys. They don't have to build bikes for a living to make something really nice.
1: No, some of the best builders like, around didn't start. I mean, everybody started out in the garage, let's be honest, in one way or another.
0: Exactly. And, you know, whenever, you know, it's, I mean, granted, I'm, there's times when I've been a major ass to people. But, I mean, most of the time I try to be as helpful as I can. Right. If they ask me questions, man, I gladly answer them because, man, like you said, everybody started out in the garage. And man, I, I still go up to people, it might be their first bike, man, and I'll see the way they mounted their exhaust, or the way they mounted their gas tank, or how they did their wiring, and man, I, I still pick up shit like that.
1: I love I mean, watching some, I, I you know, I mean, I, I was, I, I don't remember who I had the conversation with, because I've had several in the last three or four weeks, but <clears throat> everything hasn't been invented yet in this industry, everything hasn't been perfected yet in this industry, we haven't it, it, there's no, we don't have to take our bats and balls and go home and you know meet once a year for for a bike show and talk about what used to be. Um, this thing, I mean, we still have so much more. You know, there's so much more that you can do. And like you said, the devil's in the details. And I, I think that we need each other, especially guys like garage guys that are building the garage bikes, need inspiration. You know, there, there's a whole reason behind that whole getting your buddies together and drinking a case of beer in the garage while you're wrenching. It's not about the beer. You know, it's about the bike.
0: Well, and two, man, I think one thing that gets overlooked now, facts uh, fact, uh, I guess, I don't know, man. I can't really date it. But, I mean, you know, guys had things that they did together, whether it was bowling or fishing or whatnot. How about but, man, an, when you
1: get, like an elk lodge or a moose? Yeah. I mean,
0: that's... When a- you get guys together... Uh, and Eric from FNA is a great example. That guy, I got such tremendous respect and admiration for that guy. He will chop anything.
1: He doesn't care, dude. Have you seen the bike he's building for Born Free?
0: Oh my God, man, that thing is insane! You know, that he, rear wheel set. Oh my God.
1: Did you see? He's, but, his his shop's only two miles from my house, so I'm over there all the time. He's got a he's got a magneto. Belt driven mag or chain driven magneto with six. I, I don't even. I, I you just have to see it. It's insane. I, I put it on the uh, the Helen Wheels podcast Facebook page today. It's it's insane.
0: Dude, he's he's like a bad scientist, man. And he his place is like, I mean, people that I know that have been by there, they talk about how cool it is to go and just hang out and build bikes and talk with him and all. And I think that's a big part of it too. That A lot of guys um, are drawn to it because, I mean, when you get someone over there helping you out, and like I said, man, I've got a network of people that help me. Uh, Man, I love that. I mean, because every time you look at that bike, you can can say, hey, man, I remember when so-and-so helped me with that wiring or so-and-so helped me lace that wheel. You know, I mean, that's the kind of shit that matters to me.
1: Well, it's it's like uh, you know, you're, it sounds corny, but you're basically you're you're attaching um, a a part of something that happened. You know, that's like that 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 little mark you make on a calendar, or that you know, that's when that happened. And uh, you know, I don't know if you have you ever been over to Eric's shop over at F and A Cycles in Lakeland. Yes, I have. Um, that's there's there is a cast of characters that come through that shop, and I, I know most of them. The, I y- you, could, there's nothing. Someone could ride up on a flying motorcycle, and it wouldn't surprise me. It's that bizarre. I mean, everything there is just all about old school cool. And he, he doesn't care what kind of tank it is. He doesn't care what kind of forks you have. He doesn't care what kind of frame. He, he's just, he's very good about that.
0: He is, man, and he's such a nice guy too. He came and stayed at my house um, a year ago. Uh, we rode up to the uh, Dixie Roundup in uh, yeah. Birmingham together. And uh, he came up, man, and, I mean, we really got to spend some quality time and get to know each other a lot better. And uh, he rode beside me all the way up to Birmingham. I was on my knuckle, and he was on that shovel with that Magneto, and he was having problems with it. And I told him, I said, man, you need to shit can that mag. And he goes, oh, roadside, man, this is all part of the fun. And the way he said it, it, and, I mean, man, I've, 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 I've subscribed to that theory for years but the way he said it man really he he meant it you know what i mean And he was just so happy to be out on the road riding and i mean it was just it was really cool
1: yeah nothing makes that guy happier i think than uh you know just kind of just quietly bending metal and and, you know his everything about him you said he was a mad scientist i did an article a few years ago on him and back in uh i want to say in 2010. He's in the horse. Yeah, yeah I remember that. And I equated him to uh, one half Dennis Hopper and one ha- half Doctor Emmett Brown from Back to the Future. The guy is—he's five or ten steps ahead of what he's doing right now in his head, and he's this is even keel guy. His body's
0: trying to catch up.
1: Yeah, and he, you know nothing gets him pissed. Nothing. I've never heard him say an ill word about anybody. I wish. I wish that was something that somebody could say about me. I've never heard that guy say anything bad about anyone or anything. You know, his music taste is is all over the map. He's got three different kind of dogs. I mean, everything about him is just about just going through life and taking things for what they are. And he's a great guy.
0: He is definitely one of my favorites, man. And I'm 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 hoping that he gets picked for the uh, Born Free Build invite, like you were saying. Yeah. And I just see great things happening for that guy. He. I'm glad he married Wendy. They're a great couple. Just great people, man. I like being around good, solid people.
1: Well, the next time you're down here, you're going to have to hang out over here because, like I said, I'm only a couple miles away from there. Um, Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about Flatbroke. Um, it, that's that's your shop, right? That's the moniker that you build under?
0: Yep. And um, it uh, – I kind of tried to – Flatbroke was uh, – it was it was kind of the name kind of started out as a joke because you know the, the theory that's been proven as you well know right. anytime you start building a bike, if you're not flat broke when you start, you will be when you're done you <laughs> that's know? for sure so that was kind of the the theory behind that and uh you know it's always it always seems like you know you need this part or you need that part or you got to have tires or you want to get this paint job or you want to get that. And it seems like you're always just barely there, but you're broke. So that was kind of like, you know, a joke about it. But flat broke kind of, I kind of wanted it to encompass everything. You know, Um, I guess just the whole theory of, I hate to use that word, but like the whole custom culture kind of thing.
1: Right. Well, there's nothing wrong with and, it. I mean, it is what it is. You know, I mean, you you know, and, and it, just to stop on that for just a second, the custom culture is what it is, and people can tell if you're genuine or not. You know what I mean? Exactly. You can see if you're right. Can, you can't. You, I don't want to take anything away from anybody. And I, and I had this conversation, I, I believe it was with Irish Rich, that, you know, when that Sinners DVD came out in 05, it. The, that did a lot for where we're at today in the motor in the custom motorcycle industry. I mean I can't tell you the last time I sold a two hundred and fifty or a three hundred rear tire. You know what I mean? And they don't even build right. bikes really with those anymore. So that means that people aren't even riding those goddamn bikes anymore. You know, I've got 200, 250 and fifty, and three hundred tires in my shop that I'm not probably ever going to sell because they're just those those bikes aren't being written, Ridden. So what is being ridden and what is being built right now are fast, light older styled bikes and and that's fine that's where the trend is um but you can tell when a kid just bought his first johnny cash album and you know started buying yeah. started buying later. like hair. he's trying too hard yeah and i don't want to take anything away from those guys either because i can remember when i bought my first johnny cash record and i'm sure you can too you know what i mean yep. I, I you know that there's a there's a change that occurs but Um, you know, so the custom culture thing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, it's, it's how you, it's how genuine you are. And eventually people find that out anyways.
0: Not to get off the subject real quick, but you mentioned that centers DVD. Yeah. And Irish Rich, Irish Rich, I want to say is one of the most knowledgeable, friendly, one of the friendliest, most knowledgeable guys out there about chopper history and anything almost, Metal fabric. I mean, that guy is just—I can't say enough good things about him, man. He is truly a great man. He, I love talking to that guy.
1: Yeah, we had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I—I I will tell you that you know you and I you and I've been friends for a long time, and and you know you were on my short list of people as soon as I got this thing ironed out and figured out what I wanted to do that I wanted to make sure I had on here. Irish Rich was somebody that contacted me that I had him on my list of people that I would like to have someday when I got my shit together. And he wanted wow. to be on, I mean, I was, I was like, you know, I was blown away that he wanted to be oh. on the podcast and he's, he's agreed to come back and he is phenomenal. The guy is just absolutely fantastic. And uh, fabricator Kevin calls him the funk and wagnalls of chopper history. I mean, the guy's just, Oh, he is, man. And, everything. And,
0: he, and he's just so humble about it too. You know, he's just a, just a,
1: Just a great guy, man. I can't say enough good things about him. I kind of think he's the the king of the garage builders. I I really do. I mean, he he brought up a good point. You know, he's been in the business a long time. Um, He said, if I would have moved out of my shop in 2005, out of my garage, and got into some big shop, he goes, I would have been right back here in 2012. And you know what? He's smart. And that shows that's the wisdom that that you and I strive for. I know, I think you and I are real close to the same age that – that we just haven't been on this planet sucking wind long, as long as him, and, and he knows what we don't.
0: Yeah. Well, and too, that, that center d v d the influence it had, the pipes on Purple Haze, my fan.
1: Yeah, they look like cutties a little
0: they, bit. They, they, that's exactly how they were made. I got a piece of that automotive flex tubing, the one last piece in Pensacola, as a matter of fact, and we made those pipes out of that. Well,
1: you know, I mean yeah, – that, that whole thing, I mean, it's, and it's still going strong. Those those DVDs, the the the, the stuff that um, Scott and Zach did, uh, they did that Harbortown Bobber, they did um, mm-hmm. Brittown. I mean, th- that kind of stuff is... It just goes to show there's a, a bunch of different motorcycle scenes that are still going on. They've always been going on, and they're going to continue to go on for as long as people have motorcycles.
0: Yeah, and... You know, one thing I've learned too, like you were saying uh, about people that are just coming around, man. Good people always seem to attract other good people, and the ones that aren't worth being around, they they get weeded out pretty quick, man. So I tell some of these guys, you know, they've come up to me and they said, "Well, I met so and so, and you know, I was really kind of disappointed because he wasn't what I thought he would be." And I'm like, "Well, don't let that." Don't let that stop you, man. You know, do you enjoy riding? Oh yeah, I love it. Well then, keep riding, man.
1: Yeah, that shouldn't and, be why you want to ride, anyways. To meet somebody or to be like somebody, you should want to be yourself.
0: Exactly. I told him, I said, "Man, be yourself," because everybody else is taken.
1: <laughs> that's, that's very wise words. Very wise <laughs> words. Um, so are you? You're working on a bike right now. I see a slab shovel on uh on your on your Facebook page, right? Yep. Talk, let's, that, uh, let's talk about that bike.
0: That bike, uh, man, I tell you, I'm getting to the point uh, now, Jason, where some of the bike, uh, almost every bike I build now, is something I've always wanted. I'm fortunate enough to be at that position now. Um, the uh, That shovel, it's a 69 FLH. Uh, I got the motor as a complete motor from uh, my good buddy, being Carr, car. Everybody knows him as bacon. Yeah. He, uh, me and him did some, uh, wheeling and dealing. And that, that motor actually came out of his long bike that he won, uh, best long bike with it born free last year. That was the motor that was in that bike. Oh, wow. And the reason why I got, I wanted that motor so bad was because I was born in 69 and, I'd always wanted my birth year motor, and I uh, finally was able to make it happen. And that bike now, um, the uh, I put a set of later model shovelhead heads on it that I'd gotten from a friend of mine who's now deceased, All right, rest, God rest his soul. Um, I put those heads on it. Uh, I bought the frame over in Mississippi for a couple hundred bucks. I met the guy. At the exit off the interstate, bought it, headed back home.
1: Those are some of the best uh, deals, aren't they?
0: Oh yeah, and man, I, I honestly think shovelhead swingarm frames are going to be the knucklehead frames of our generation. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, we got to we got to get Kevin to stop cutting them all up.
0: That's exactly. I was just fixing to say, man, if <laughs> Fabricator Kevin would stop hardtailing
1: between them all. Kevin and uh, and Jeff uh, Jeff Cochran, Cochran. yeah, the, oh, both yeah. of them with their hardtail kits.
0: I, I just, I just spent <laughs> the, um, uh, that bike, uh, almost every part on it was either given to me or traded to me by friends. And, uh, that, uh, I'm really excited about getting that bike done. And I, I'm hoping to have it done for, uh, uh, bike week in Daytona in a couple, in about a month and a half. Oh, right on. Um, it's a toss up between, uh, that and my knuckle, my 46 knuckle, was my favorite bike. I mean, the Pan is, it's it's in a, it's on its own entirely, but the, um, my knuckle is by far right now my, my most favorite bike, man. I, I love to ride it. It rides good. It, it's just, it's just an awesome bike, man. But the 69 is near and dear to my heart, too.
1: Um. Do you build your own engines, or I mean, obviously, I pro- I'm going to assume that that Bacon built the motor, the '69, because he's very well known for that. But um, do you do you normally build your own engines? I mean, from right from the crank. Yeah, up. I
0: sure do. Me and my dad. I've been very fortunate. My father uh, has been building since the early '60s, and he anything I get stumped on, he helps me with, and he has always been right there. Uh, helping me no matter what without question or hesitation man i mean my father he's my he's truly my hero man he uh me and him doing all of our all of my motor and transmission work and uh i'm real fortunate with
1: that yeah we're both very lucky that we have um good dads that have a long history of of being able to do the things that we want to be able to do, you know, I
0: mean, <clears throat> definitely paved Again, the way you for talked this. about that, uh, once before, how lucky we were. Our dads turned us on to this.
1: Yeah. I mean, my earliest, I, literally my earliest memories are clutching the tank on that Bonneville chopper that my dad was riding around. In, and I'm sure you have many of the, the similar type of experiences. Your dad had a bike shop, didn't he?
0: Yes, he did. He, uh, uh, in the mid seventies behind our house, he had one for a few years. And, um, like you said, you rode around with your dad on that Bonneville. My dad had a, uh, he would, anytime he'd build a chopper, he'd take me for a ride on that. But he had a 66 FLH, a full dresser that I would, we'd ride on. And he, he just gave me that bike, uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, I'm just gonna get it running as it is, and it's it's truly special to me because, like I said, I've I've ridden that bike my whole life basically. Wow,
1: I, yeah, you and, know, I uh, a story similar to that that I uh my dad my dad has had a bike pretty much my whole life, but in very different circumstances have forced you know a sale of two of my dad's stuff in order to keep things the way they needed to be. And um, in '81, we moved from Detroit to texas and my dad sold his chopper and I, I don't remember it vivid i don't remember the guy but i remember the guy taking the bike away i remember it was a it was a it was a big deal that the bike was leaving um and we moved to texas uh in 81 we moved back in 86 um in 87 i want to say the Seven Eleven across the street from our house some guy rode up on it and it had been painted flat black which my dad had a real nice you know 70s lacquer job on it and um I remember telling the guy that used to be my dad's bike. You know, can I can I run across the street to my dad? Well, when I left, the guy left too, and which whatever, oh, whatever. But and then when I was selling cars in uh, nineteen ninety eight or nine, I saw it chained to a a pole, and I went to go same thing. I went to go back and, and check it out, and it was gone. And that's one of those bikes that you know. At some point, I'm sure it's around somewhere. Someone has it, at least a part of it. You know, but. That was back, you know, our dads didn't have a catalog like we did to, to where you could just order whatever you wanted, you know. They had to build exactly. their own girders. They had to rake their own frames. And they didn't have NC machines that they could just, you know, uh, mill and lathe and stuff. If they did have a lathe or a mill, they did it by hand. And uh, there's something to be said for that kind of craftsmanship.
0: Oh, man. I mean, some of the bikes that I've seen that my dad built and some of his friends built, I mean, they'd hold up to anything out there today, uh, structurally, mechanically, aesthetically. I mean, they were just truly pioneers, man. And, I mean, that that's where I get the inspiration for almost everything I build is my dad and stuff that he's built and guys like him and your dad. I mean, those dudes, like I said, they they're – they were pioneers, man. They they paved the road. All we're doing is patching the potholes, man.
1: I like that. Um, besides paying for it, what's the what do you think's the toughest part of building a bike? Where do you? I mean, where do you? Where's your roadblock? What's your Achilles heel?
0: Uh time. I mean, I have the connections for parts and whatnot. I mean, it, it always seems if I need a part, I find it right. either through a friend or. It just comes to me some way, but, uh, a lot of the, it's mostly time for me now.
1: That's a good problem to have, I guess, as far as, you know, the, the, not a lot of resources and stuff that are, that we're lacking. Um, do you do any, I mean, have you ever done any sheet metal, like build your own fenders and, or do you, do you generally start with a, a, a pre-made piece or a, a vintage piece and modify it?
0: Um, that's a good question, man. I. My father is a retired union sheet metal worker, and, I mean, I've been around metal working my whole life, but I'm just horrible at it. I mean, I've never been able to just have that touch with it. Uh So I usually take something, um it's like frames. Uh right. if, if it's not a Harley frame, I'll use a Paco frame because I've had good luck with them. Uh, purple Haze, my pen. I've had that Paco frame for almost 17 years now. Right. And I mean, it's, it's, I've never had a single problem with it. And, um, I, like, I, I like kind like of to like to take things that are already made and, and massage them to a different way or whatnot, whether it's a stock Harley piece or a custom piece. But I tell you, I have just tremendous respect for guys that can pound out or hand hammer a, a gas tank or a fender or, or a frame. I mean, that's just, they're just, that's true talent to me. I just don't possess it.
1: I, you know, and i taken a sheet metal class and I built a fender and, you know, and a tank side and I can do one side of a tank, but I couldn't do, I don't Well, I probably could learn, but I've never been able to replicate that second side of that gas tank and you know what? I, I I believe that the way that things are supposed to work is that um, everybody has, like, you know, a niche and a purpose. And, uh, right. it, it, you know, I have too many good friends that are good sheet metal workers and can build a nice gas tank and can do, a, you know, nice fender work. I'd rather just kind of incorporate um, – it's the old thing we were talking about where you have uh, – when you look at your Purple Haze bike and you can remember that someone helped you run this wire or helped you reroute this so it looked a little more aesthetic, um, aesthetically pleasing. When you have a guy, you say, you know what, my friend Eric, uh, you know, my friend Eric Gorgeous from Voodoo Choppers, he built that fender oh, for man. me. Or, you know. That,
0: that guy is. Yeah,
1: he's
0: a, Let's uh, mentioned Eric, he is, that's a true metal master uh, from what I, I mean. I've seen that guy just do some incredible stuff. I mean, it's unreal.
1: He's got, And that.
0: like you said, man, I mean, not to interrupt you, but like you said, there's certain guys that have their niche, like Fabricator Kevin, one of the best welders I've ever seen. Uh, Eric, one of the best metal workers I've ever seen. Dan Rodell, one of the best engine guys I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. like you said, there's certain guys that have their niche that just truly excel
1: at it. Yeah, and, you know, the... the- that's the one thing that I always, um, if I can fault our industry for, our industry is very strong in a lot of ways, and a lot of people don't give it credit for, for being strong in the ways that we are. But um, sometimes I feel like the right guys don't get the right amount of credit. And I attribute, I agree with you. you know, I mean, a guy like Kevin is never, ever going to put himself, Fabricator Kevin is never going to put himself in front of anybody or anything he's he's almost humble to a fault. The guy is so fucking talented and such a I mean, he's one he truly is one of my best friends and I've been friends with him since oh four and him and Eric and uh you know I, I I treasure every you know, when I when I get to work and do stuff with him because he's so talented and humble and nice and it's not it's not about anything other than just kind of just doing this thing that we love to do.
0: Kevin Verkest is another one that's like Rich Ryan. He's one of the most one of the friendliest down to earth genuine people I've ever met. I mean, man, he's never too busy to answer a question, uh offer give you advice or I mean he's just
2: Good advice. Uh, he's too. just
0: a great man. I mean I'm fortunate to have him in my life as a friend, like you said.
1: You know? Um are, do you have um are you doing anything like official with magazines right now? Or I mean are you are you on staff? Are you writing? Are you obligated? Are you is there a promoter that owns Roadside Marty that, you know, you gotta be at certain shows or or when we see you at all these events and all these guys see you at these events are these things that you're going there anyways and you just wanna be part of the part of the, the party and, and part of the fun?
0: Well, um I basically uh I don't really I have a title with Cycle Source magazine as the southeast editor. Right. Uh this Callen is a tremendous uh talent. He's a great friend. He's a true brother to me. He has done so much for me. Um I also uh, every once in a while I contribute to the Horseback Street Choppers. Um Hammer Englishman Steve Rohl. Those guys have always treated me like family, and just been, I mean, I, ca- I can't say enough good about them. I, I would do anything for those guys just like I would for Chris. I'm fortunate that they both allow me to contribute uh, to them. I mean, as far as uh, me being a, like an employee, no. I just, I'm, I guess you could qualify me as a freelance guy. Right. But, uh, and at the events, um I don't uh, I don't really I'm not really hired there per se either. I mean the uh smoke out um uh, you know I guess I get they sometimes uh help me out with things, you know, like uh give me gas money or whatnot. Yeah. Um but uh I really do Daytona twice a year and, uh, for the, uh, Chopper Time show at Willie's and, you know, Willie Perry is just a, another guy that is one of the ones I don't think gets a lot of recognition for everything he does. And he's, he treats me like a son, man. He's just a great man. I love him and his wife, Jean, tremendously. I do Daytona twice a year, uh, the Smoke Out, um, Big Mountain Run and uh Sturgis as well. And I try to hit other smaller events if I can. Right. Uh especially if uh someone I know, you know, tells me, Hey man, this is a great party, you know, we'd like to see you there or whatnot. And I mean I might not even uh show up to I I might not even get on stage or what I might just show up as a someone just a regular guy go, going to the party, you know. You never know where you might see me, man. And I tell people all the time, if you see me somewhere and I don't say hello, it's cuz I didn't know you wanted me to. <laughs> you know? So if you see me, come on up, say hello, man.
1: So I mean, the one thing that I think is kind of um the one thing that I think is kind of ironic about your situation is that everybody kind of knows who you are and everybody if they don't know who you are, they've seen you and you're, you know, you definitely have some very high quality builds. Um do you consider yourself a builder? If someone says, you know, what do you what do you do? You know, uh, you know, what is is it? Do you consider yourself a, an, a builder, or do what do you consider yourself? I mean, obviously, you consider yourself, a, you know, a good guy and what, but I mean, like in the industry.
0: Uh wow, man, that's a that's that's a really good question. I I don't I don't consider myself to be. Uh, a builder per se, I guess in the sense that most people would define that. Uh, I mean, I've, I build motorcycles, but I'm not a builder. I guess I'm really just uh, a true, I hate to say motorcycle enthusiast because man, I like to think of myself as a biker, but right. you know, I just, motorcycles are such a huge part of my life, man, that, you know, building, riding, Buying and selling parts, helping people build their own. I mean, I just, you know, motorcycle people are my people. I mean, they're that's that's who I love. That's that's my extended family, man. I mean, motorcycles have given me way more than they've ever taken. Right. And um, I just, uh, I, I don't, know, I, I don't know if I answered that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you did. You answered it exactly how I thought you were going to answer it. I mean, you know, it's kind of a – you. that's the one thing. When I said that we do a lot of things right in this industry, and, and I know that this, this podcast, uh, there's a lot of people that aren't in the industry that are listening to this podcast. You know, a lot of our listeners are garage builders, guys that are on the, you know, the Chop Cult board and uh, Club mm-hmm. Chopper and things like that. But, you know, they, they want to be validated when they build something. They want to know that – they did a good job. And and really, that's what that's about. It, it, when someone wants to show you, when someone wants to show Roadside Marty their bike they built, there's, there's something to that. There's, there's an emotional attachment to that where they're, you know, they're not looking to be, uh, you know, um, just you going over and taking a look at their bike means something because they know that you're around the industry and whether or not you view yourself and it doesn't sound like you view yourself in any professional capacity, it's you're kind of you're part of this industry, though. You you kind of you move through it and you help carry it along. You're you know you um, J Allen um, Beaner, guys like you guys are are you know your color commentators for us, and you you keep things moving and you kind of you're the you're that glue that holds everybody together. I mean, at the end of the day, my bike shop changes tires and does oil changes. Um, at the end of the day, Evan's shop builds a lot of really cool choppers. We've got someone like you that, that kind of pulls everything in between two of us, you know, that uh, that brings everything together and wh- so we can get in the room at one time and have a party.
0: Well, you know, I, like, it really means something for me when someone comes up and wants me to look at their bike, man, because, like I said, I love motorcycles, and I love motorcycle people, and, man, if that guy – like we talked about earlier. If he you know, he might have a wife, a couple of kids, a, a full time job. Uh I mean when you're when you have the realities of everyday life and then you're able to build a bike and you're able to come to something to hang out with us or be at a motorcycle function or whatever it may be, man, that means the world to me because number one, you're getting out and about, and two you think my opinion matters, and that that's cool as shit to me, man.
1: Yeah, it, it means something when someone says, hey, what do you think, you know? And, you know, it gives you an opportunity to be, to check yourself. What kind of person are you? Are you a nice person? Are you being honest? Are you an honest person? That's, that. All that stuff is so important, and, you know, and, and I, I just, that's that was one of the major reasons why I wanted to make sure that you were on here is because I want people to understand that, there is something that happens in this industry that is different than anything um, it's very soulful there's there's a lot of people that I know you know what I don't talk to people uh, I cannot talk to somebody for a year and I could call you up and if I'm in Pensacola I know I could probably crash on your floor and we'd go out and have a beer you know what I mean that kind of that means, that means something to me that means something to me and, and I know it means something to you and it means something to a lot of the people that want to be a part of this. All you have to do is be genuine. You have to be authentic, and you know there's there's a lot of uh, arms that are wide open.
0: Absolutely, and you know, like I like I said earlier, man, just be yourself because everybody else is taken, and it's 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 really neat because, like you say, man, my, my house is kind of a uh, a stopping point for a lot of people. I mean, I've had everybody from George the painter to Beener, to Don Wood, to, I mean, Darren from Slinging. Man, my house has had so many house guests. I mean, I I wish I could take a wall and have them sign it. You know what I mean?
1: It's not a bad idea if you could find a wall that was, you could tolerate a bunch of magic markers.
0: I'm telling you, these guys, man, I tell them, if if I'm at work, I'll tell you where the spare key is. Make yourself at home.
1: Right on. Well, cool man, so we're gonna be able to see you here in a few weeks uh or a couple months here in Daytona. We're gonna be able to yep. see you um definitely at the smoke out, right? You're gonna be at the absolutely. big the big mountain run um, Sturgis in August you
0: possibly be... Sturgis, yeah, I'm still trying to get a uh, time off from work for that one,
1: and then uh we'll see you again in Daytona in the fall, right?
0: absolutely Daytona is a requirement. Because if I didn't, Willie really, would probably send out a hit team
1: for me. Yeah, we'd have to go to Pensacola and, and go snatch you up. Well, listen, yeah. man, this is a perfect place to stop. We've been doing this for an hour. Um, I can't thank you enough for being part of this, and, and I love you to death. And, if you know, if you're ever down in this way, come and see me. You can definitely, uh, you know, sleep on my couch too. And um, I'd like to I, – I definitely will be at Willie's on Thursday during Bike Week, and uh, I'll see you a bunch more times other than that
0: right on and there's one thing I want to add brother um the uh other than I've had a fucking blast doing this man a lot of people uh you started off the interview with who the fuck is roadside marty a lot of people I I've had stickers made up with that a lot of people have asked me where that came from and I'll tell you real quick because I get asked it all the time one year at the chopper show uh, Indian Larry, Paul Cox, Kino came by, and then on Saturday, Last Resort had their bike show when they were still having it. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Me and Willie, and Marcus, and Adam Chandler rode down there. Well, we were standing around talking, and Larry, Paul Cox, Kino, Chris Condon, and uh, I think uh, Beaner was with them. They walked up started talking to us and Larry was standing to my immediate left and uh he asked Willie he said hey he goes who gives out those he who, who, who picks the winners at your show and Willie said Roadside Marty and without skipping a beat and he was standing right beside me and he Larry looks at him and says who the fuck is Roadside Marty so for years man that's always been our inside joke
1: that's a that's a great story and I appreciate you sharing that with us man that's uh that's very cool I got to meet him uh, in 04 in Daytona and probably the coolest part about meeting him um, was that I was introduced through a mutual friend so it was it was really kind of a, a, a neat deal i you know it wasn't like I uh, had to wait in line I, I actually got a chance to talk to him but um, he wanted to he wanted to let me take a picture with him and right when my dad went to shoot the picture with him someone called his name so there's a picture of me and indian larry with indian larry turned sideways going like i'll be there in a minute <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the only picture i have of me and indian larry is of the side of indian larry's uh, he's got his arm around me we're standing there and he's got his head turned talking to somebody else in the background
0: that's awesome man he, he looked right at willie when he said that and willie said that's him right there and he looks right at me and he said well don't i look like a fucking asshole and i said oh it's all good man so it was it was rather
1: comical. Yeah, he was a sweet guy. Oh. Well, Roadside, man, I love you to death. Anything you ever need, you know you can call me and a, a million other people in this industry, and uh, we'll talk again super soon here. And I'd love to, you know, let's let's see. Maybe we can get you back on here at some point in time, you know, or maybe I'll bring my podcast kit with you and set up a live remote from the Chopper Show. That would be kind of fun, too. Get a bunch of oh, these guys. Oh, that there.
0: would be great, Jason. You're more than welcome to do that, man. I love you too, brother, and that'd be awesome. You're more than welcome to do it.
1: Cool. I'm. A, I, I was thinking about that the other day, and I, I may take you up on that. I think it would be fun, and I think that you know. I think by that time, I, you know, we're um, this podcast. I, I, this is our. We're actually um, taping our eighth episode right now with you, and uh, we've been the number one podcast in uh, in the automotive category on our host. And then, um, we switched over to outdoor because that's where the other motorcycle um, categories are in iTunes, which I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand that I can't believe there's not a motorcycle category, but there's really not a lot of motorcycle podcasts. So in the outdoors, I am sandwiched right between um, the the Bigfoot live podcast where okay. they talk about Bigfoot and uh, the trail show so. Right in between those two, we've got the Hell on Wheels podcast. So, I'm 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 pretty happy about that. We're doing pretty well, and, and uh, we're getting some some good uh, listenership. So, well, um, Jason,
0: I'm proud of you, brother. You're doing a great job, man. I've had a fucking blast doing this.
1: Well, thanks, man. I do appreciate it. You've been listening to the Hell on
2: Wheels podcast. With your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening. Remember to rate us on iTunes.